basically used food to tell the story of the Exodus, where God had set the Israelites free from Egypt. And so each element of the meal had a particular piece of significance and served to help those eating it remember the story in a powerful way, helping them recalibrate their life around what God had done and lead them to worship. This meal was a huge deal. It was the pinnacle of the Jewish calendar, which was already a very busy calendar, and it came with a huge amount of tradition and meaning. But we'll see as we go through the meal, bit by bit, how Jesus recreates it around himself and uses it to explain his death on the cross. Right, so the meal is split into four sections based around four cups of wine, which you can see on the stage. Each cup represents one of the four I wills that God says to God, that God says to the Israelites in Exodus 6 while they're still stuck in slavery. Number one, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Number two, I will free you from being slaves. Number three, I will redeem you. And number four, I will take you as my own people. And as we take each cup, we bless God for it. So let's start by taking the first cup of wine, if you guys want to take one. And just before we drink it, we say, May you be blessed, O Lord our God, King of the world who makes the fruit of the vine. And we can drink that. Interestingly, we tend to ask God to bless the food that we're about to eat, but the Israelites were about blessing God for the food. But that's a separate point. So now let's look down at our Bibles in, at verse 14. When the hour came... Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, just like we just did, and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink it again and drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes might seem quite a normal thing to say to us, but to the disciples, they'd be extremely puzzled. The Passover had been celebrated the same way every year of their life, and before that for 1,500 years, but Jesus had just taken the first cup and given it new meaning. It had been about pointing backwards to the exodus, to that line of God bringing his people out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, but now Jesus was using it to point forwards, pointing forwards to his suffering and death, and pointing forwards to the kingdom of God coming. So at this point in the meal, the the disciples would be thinking, no one's ever said anything like this. But let's move on to the next bit, and it's time for for a little appetizer, which is called dipping the carpass. So Sophie and Tom, please could you dip that little piece of parsley in this watery substance here, and tell us what it tastes like. Right, so, so what, what flavor are you getting? Okay, I, I'm looking for salt. Um, <laughs> I put a lot of salt in that water. So this moment in the meal represents how the Israelites ended up in Egypt in the first place through their ancestor Joseph being sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. And you may remember from that story that Joseph's brothers dipped his famous cloak in the blood of a goat as a cover-up story that he'd been killed by a wild animal. 
This is what dipping the carpass is all about. The piece of parsley is his coat, and the water that the, the salty water that the blood was dipped into the salty water um, is the blood that the coat was dipped into. The next part of the meal involves retelling the story of the Exodus. And here they would normally just read most of the book of Exodus out loud, which would take more than 45 minutes, so we're not going to do that today. Um, they would then sing Psalms 113 to 118, and again, that would take a long time, but I've asked Tom just to read out a section of Psalm 116 to get a flavor for what these psalms are all about. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cause of death entailed me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on his name, called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple hearted. When he was in great need, he saved me. Return it to return to rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. So yeah, all those psalms are about God as our redeemer. So we're now going to come to the second section of the Passover meal. So that means we can have another cup of wine. And again, bless God for it. So we'll say, may you be blessed, O Lord our God, King of the world, who makes the fruit of the vine. And if you guys want to drink another cup. Nice, well done. And once we've done that, the next step is to eat some unleavened bread. This is just bread made without yeast. And it represents the fact that the, driven, the Israelites were driven out of Egypt in haste and so didn't have time to let their bread rise. Exodus 12, verse 39 says, With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. But looking back at the passage, at this point, what does Jesus do? Verse 19 says, He took the bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, the disciples would be very puzzled. The, the bread was supposed to symbolize haste and hurry. Now it was different in two ways. Nice. Firstly, by being about Jesus's body being broken. And later that night, Jesus's body will be whipped a crown of thorns thrust onto his head, nails sent through his wrists and his ankles, and his body, body hung up on a cross where he would suffer and die. And second, this breaking would happen for you. Jesus' body would be broken for others. And in the same way that bread was a staple part of the disciples' diet and they depended, it, depended on it to, to live, Jesus' body would lead to life for others. So next in the Passover sequence is the maror. So once again, I'd like my two assistants to take part of this, and that involves eating a little bit of that white paste. And please tell us what it tastes like. Yeah, I'd probably be gentle with this one. Yeah. Can you, what, what taste are you getting this time? Very strong, okay. It's supposed to be bitter. It's made of horseradish. Um, so, yeah. The maror means bitter. 
And the aim of this part of the meal is really to make you cry. It's, yeah, which is doing. Nice. <laughs> and it's a reminder of the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. In Exodus 1.14, it says, the, Egyptian made, the Egyptians made their lives bitter. And eating the maror is a very visceral reminder of that. Next would be the key part of the meal, the eating of the Passover lamb. So if you guys want to get, start eating that while well, I explain. So going back to the Exodus story, on the day of the Passover, the Israelites had to take a one-year-old lamb without any defects and slaughter it by slitting its throat and catching the blood in a bowl as they did so. They saved the lamb for dinner but took, took the blood home with them and smeared the blood, of, the blood on the doorposts of their house. The reason for this was they'd been warned by God that that night he would send an angel who would kill every firstborn son in every household unless they had the blood of this perfect lamb on their doorpost. And yeah, in, in that case, the angel would pass over their house. That's where the name Passover comes from. And this was the 10th plague that God sent on the Egyptians. And it seems harsh, but it was actually very similar to what Pharaoh had done in the first place in the story by ordering that all the Israelite boys be killed to slow the growth of their population. But this meant that Pharaoh's son died, which made him so angry that he released the Israelites from Egypt and drove them away, and they were set free. So for the Jewish people and the disciples listening to Jesus, at this point of the meal, it was a, it was a key point. It reminded them of the blood of the Passover lamb, which covered them and led to their release from slavery. But again, let's look down at the passage and see what Jesus did in this moment. Let's look at verse 20. After supper, so after finishing the lamb, Jesus took the cup, and this is the third cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, do this in remembrance of me. So the disciples would have just eaten the key part of the meal, the lamb, and the blood of the lamb would be on their mind. But Jesus had just taken the wine and redefined it as his blood and connected it to what he called the new covenant. So lots just happened here. Firstly, Jesus has swapped himself in as the Passover lamb. This time, Jesus would be the one to die, and those under his blood would be saved and set free. Secondly, Jesus' blood would be connected to a new covenant. A covenant is just a chosen relationship or partnership, so a good example of a covenant is a marriage. Jesus' death would lead to a new covenant, a new relationship between God and people. And thirdly, it is poured out for you, or using the, the version in Matthew's gospel, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's not small drops of blood for a select few. It is poured out for the many so that everyone who believes in Jesus can have their sins forgiven and receive life. So overall, what has Jesus done here? Jesus has taken the powerful storyline of the Passover meal built to help the Israelites remember how amazing God was and what he'd done for them. And he's made the key elements to be about him. So where previously those needing rescue were the Israelites, it's now the many, it's all of humanity, it's us. Where previously the enemy was Pharaoh, it's now the sin in our lives, 
that we are in slavery to and leads to death. Sin is just any action we do that says to God, um, shut up, God, I'm in charge, and no to your ways. And finally, where previously God provided rescue through the sacrifice of a lamb, he now provides it through the death of his son, which allows others to go free. Or you could say that a new exodus was about to take place and Jesus was the lamb. So in essence, Jesus has recreated the Passover meal to tell the story of the gospel. And so to finish, on to the next section. Based on all of this, how are we to engage with breaking bread? Well, firstly, we can look backwards at Jesus' death on the cross, remembering how his body was broken to give us life, and his blood was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we can just simply give thanks for that sacrifice. That's not a waste of time. And if you ever want to feel particularly moved by what he did, I'd recommend Googling a medical description of the crucifixion of Jesus online. There are quite a few there. And have a read through the list of the pain he went through, and it will be quite shocking. Secondly, we can look forward to heaven, where we will be celebrating over meals and wine with Jesus. He told us in the passage that he's not going to eat again of the Passover meal. He's not going to have any wine until the kingdom of God comes. So breaking of bread is a foretaste of the party and the celebration in heaven where there'll be no more tears, crying, or pain. And we eat in anticipation and excitement about that. Thirdly, we can look inwards at our hearts. Are there any sins that we need to be forgiven for or set free from? Just like God set the Israelites free and redeemed them, Jesus can set us free and forgive us. So I'd recommend bringing those sins to Jesus beforehand and then break bread as an act of faith that they're finished through Jesus taking them on himself on the cross. And finally, we can look outwards at the body of Christ. This is a meal and we eat it together. We don't do it on our own. And eating it together defines us as one body and one family. So have a look around the room and reflect on how these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Is there anyone who needs help or encouragement? Is there anyone who needs looking after? Finally, I mentioned at the start that there are four cups in the Passover meal, and some of you will have noticed we've only had three so far. The fourth cup comes at the very end, and it's accompanied by lots of praise and worship. They'd normally sing through Psalm 135 onwards. And that's what we're going to roughly do now. We're not going to sing those exact psalms, but we're going to go into time of breaking bread and worship. So we'll effectively be taking that fourth cup together.